Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome, everyone, to our latest installment. A little late this week of BAM's radio. We apologize, but it's been a busy time of the year. The Alabama Crimson Tide, unfortunately, fall to the Auburn Tigers in the Iron Bowl. 26 to 14, uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide taking a 14 to 10 lead early in the third quarter. Uh, the Auburn Tigers are able to answer. Alabama does not score the rest of the football game uh, as they picked a bad time to have one of their poorest offensive performances of the year, uh, especially from a quarterback perspective. Alabama did not perform very well on third down. That was the story on both sides of the ball, both offensively and defensively. Hats off to Gus Malzahn and the Auburn Tigers. Chip Lindsey uh, had one of the best game plans I've seen against an Alabama defense. And we, we saw the return of those linebackers. We hinted at it on the show the last, last week that we would see Christian Miller. He was back. We saw uh, Terrell Lewis uh, and, uh, and, and Mac Wilson. But, of course, they weren't themselves. Uh, and this Alabama defense, I think they really missed Sean Deon Hamilton as well. Uh, but I still thought it was a defense that competed. Uh, they, they, uh, they've got some deficiencies, especially at safety uh, with – Hootie Jones at times in coverage, and especially uh, Ronnie Brown, uh, or excuse me, I'm Tony Brown. Pardon me there, uh, Tony Brown. But uh, you know, but Alabama, uh, they I thought they played hard, but they didn't play well, and they were made a lot of mental errors that we don't see out of a Nick Saban team, such yeah, as you know jumping off sides to give him a first down when Damian Harris was on special teams trying to block the punt. Uh, you know, Jalen Hurts not known for this, but running out of bounds, taking a sack letting the play clock run down, making a third and four, third and nine, dropping a snap that would have been a good field goal. Just things that we don't see Nick Saban football teams do. But the Auburn Tigers move on. They will be in the SEC championship game in a rematch with Georgia. And now the University of Alabama is left and need help to get to the college football playoff, needing TCU to beat Oklahoma and or the Ohio State Buckeyes to beat uh, the uh, Wisconsin Badgers in a competitive football game. If either of those happen, I think Alabama can get into the college football playoff. Uh, but right now, it's an uphill climb. And if you had to ask me, I think the winner of the SEC championship game gets in. I think it's going to be Georgia because of Auburn's injury situation with on Johnson. But would not be surprised if the Tigers won. The winner of that game is in. Obviously, I think if it's Alabama, uh, it will help the Crimson – I mean, excuse me, Auburn. It would help the University of Alabama if Auburn won the SEC championship game. But I like Oklahoma over TCU – though I'll be rooting for Gary Patterson and the Horned Frogs hard on Saturday morning at 11. But I think the Horned Frogs are probably going to, uh, you know, fall again to Oklahoma. I like Clemson big over Miami. I just don't think Miami is, quite frankly, a, a playoff caliber team. And then, of course, I do like Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game. I felt like all year Ohio State was talented, but something was missing with their football team. You don't lose by 30 to the Iowa Hawkeyes. But I'm going to welcome in my compatriots. Thomas Watts, the wizard behind the curtain, the producer of BAM's radio, also former Alabama a national champion uh, from 89 to 93, uh, former offensive lineman William Redfish Barger. Got a chance to speak with him earlier this week in Huntsville on the drive when I was sitting in with Wes Neighbors, but it's always good to talk to William again. 
William, uh, welcome back to BAMS Radio. Thomas, how are you guys doing tonight? I'm doing good, Drew. How are you? Doing well. And, Thomas, I, I'm going to give you a, a chance to have a hot take. I just gave some of my thoughts, but I know this playoff system is really bothering you. Well, it, it's it, it, there, there are many reasons for it, but, I, Drew, first off, I frankly disagree that uh, the only scenario in which Alabama makes the college football playoff is if both TCU and Ohio State are victorious in their respective championship games. I, 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 at the start of the week, I originally thought that Alabama had a good chance because it's very, very difficult, should Ohio State beat Wisconsin, to ignore the fact that Wisconsin got absolutely annihilated by a mediocre Iowa team. I thought the general mediocrity of that, lo- of that, win- of that team would sink Ohio State's chances. But then you started listening to all the chatter, and you've got ESPN personalities caping very hard for the Big Ten. I mean, I, I rewatched that rankings release show, and it might have been manufactured tension, but there were some dudes, and I'm not going to name names because one of them, the, the next original thought he has will be his first. But uh, they were caping real hard for Ohio State. And I got to thinking about the system. And the reason that we got rid of the BCS is mostly because people didn't trust computers. Now, yes, you could say it's because LSU and Alabama got to go to that B- that BCS championship game, but a lot of that was based off the power of their relative computer rankings. You get rid of that and you lose a lot of quantitative ana- you lose a lot of quantitative analysis, excuse me, in the favor of more qualitative analysis. Now, yeah, that's a big word. What does that actually mean? Well, it means that you're asking 13 people to dive into the minutia of anywhere f- from, in the final scheme of things, probably six to eight teams to be named to the final four. And it's simply impossible. Like, I know how much I struggle with it, and I, I can say with a straight face, I test into the 99.9% percentile in general intelligence. And I can remember plays, like I freak my parents out because I remember entire play sequences from games 10 years ago. And I know I struggle with it in terms of knowing some of the minutiae of football games. Like you look, let, Let's take an example, Drew. You have Clemson beating Auburn. I believe it was 14-6 to six or 14-8. to eight. It was a one-score game no matter what. And you look at that and you're like, man, that's a good loss. You know, Auburn played Clemson tough in Death Valley. Well, did they really when Clemson had 11 sacks and there are like bits and pieces of Jarrett Stidham still embedded in the Death Valley turf, and Auburn couldn't move the ball to save their lives. And the only reason it was even one score is because Kelly Bryant was brand new and, and, and the Clemson defense just destroyed Auburn. That, Auburn wouldn't have gotten scored 10 points in that game in any of our lifetimes. But I doubt that context makes it into the room. Now, how does that switch over to Alabama and Ohio State? Ohio State lost by 30. That was known. But that's not the forefront in these people's minds. Prisoners of the moment. They're prisoners of the most recent. Auburn's had a fantastic November, and that's why they're number two. But that completely ignores the fact that they were god-awful in September, and they were fairly mediocre in October, blowing that that lead to LSU. So I really, really hate the committee, and that doesn't even get into the inconsistencies. You know, last year, Ohio State didn't win their division, got in. This year, they're going to win their division and they're probably going to get in over a team with one less loss. 
I, I really would love some consistency, and I think bringing computers back into it would do that. But unfortunately, many people that make ends meet talking about college football think that advanced mathematical functions are some sort of wonky Kama Sutra sex position, and numbers are if you can if the numbers go above the fingers and toes rule, if you can if you can't count beyond that, you just can't do it. So I really don't like the system, and I think it's really becoming more and more apparent. As, Al, as I'm watching my team, Alabama, get completely screwed by it, Drew. But, you know, at the end of the day, this is what we signed on for. And Alabama didn't take care of business. So you do open yourself up to this. So I, I just hate it. I, I, I hate the fact that Alabama is going to have to have two upsets to even have a shot when they played a decent schedule that wasn't really their fault that Florida State fell on their face. And LSU couldn't figure themselves out early, but they're going to get penalized for one loss on the road, which if you look at the top ten, I think that loss is actually the best loss of any of the one-loss programs. But nobody's talking about it, so Alabama's going to be the outside looking in. But anyway, Drew, Fish, thank you for letting me get that off my chest. I will uh, go back to doing my production duties and let y'all talk about the game and what y'all think. <laughs> well, I agree, Thomas. Uh, I think I don't think Ohio State deserves to be even in the conversation. Uh, they had a garbage loss to Iowa, uh, who turned around the next week to Hawkeyes and had 69 total yards against Wisconsin. Uh, I think Wisconsin's being undervalued and is going to beat them. But I wanted to get William's thoughts too. William, your thoughts on uh, the playoff committee and the, some of the things they've said. You know, Drew, I, I guess I've gotten to the point of uh, old age where <laughs> – um, I just don't allow that kind of stuff to, you know, affect my day-to-day life. Um, but that being said, um, you know, I still do think there's a good chance that Alabama, you know, backdoors their way into the playoff. But, you know, the way I look at it is, you know, watching that, that, that game last weekend. And, again, you know, i, I got to sit here and I've got to take my medicine. Um, if you took my prediction, and I think probably yours too, um, you know, what was going to happen in the Iron Bowl last weekend, if you flipped what I said about both teams talking about Alabama and Auburn, uh, you had, you know, a pretty good prediction. Um, you know, I don't really know if, what would be the best for, for the Alabama program is, you know, getting into that playoff. Um, you know, there's a lot of issues on this team that I think um, needs to be worked out. Um, you know, obviously there's going to be some, some coaching turnover, uh, you know, in, in January and February before uh, National Signing Day. Um, you know, I think there was a lot of Alabama fans that thought that Alabama was going to benefit from the, from the old Miss, uh, you know, uh, sanctions. And, you know, now we find out that nobody can transfer unless they're rising seniors. Um, you know, I, I made the prediction. I stand by it. I, I, I I, I sat there and I watched the whole thing unfold, but I think I do think that one thing is being ignored by Alabama fans is what was the total collapse from a team 
um, Saturday, um, last Saturday, I should say. Um, it was a total collapse by the team, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, it was. Uh, they, they, they just didn't play well. They, they haven't been handled like that uh, in a long time uh, in the line of scrimmage, even though I, I will say – uh, I do think the offensive line played pretty well. They ran the ball for 211 yards, I think it was. They outrushed all by 40 or 50 yards. They averaged six yards a carry. Uh, they they uh, In the pass protection was pretty good most of the time. Womack did have some issues. Probably is better suited to guard. Uh, that's another hard decision Nick Saban needs to make. Um, you know, they only gave up two sacks to a really good front. One of them was Jalen running out of bounds. I thought Jalen a few times bailed on the protection when he should have stepped up in the pocket and tried to deliver the ball on time. But at the same time, again, uh, if you had to say, though, who won the game in the line of scrimmage, it was Auburn. Uh, that's why they were able to punch scores in. That's why carry on. They made him earn every yard, but he did before leaving via injury have 100 yards on 30 carries. Uh, they were able – the Jarrett Stidham had some key, key runs and even scored a touchdown, and I think that surprised some people. It certainly did me. Uh, and Alabama had some opportunities to come up with sacks, which they did not. Uh, they just – it was – you know, I, I guess uh, it was just overall I thought Alabama tackled poorly too. They usually are very physical and tackle well, William, and I felt like uh, all game long uh, they didn't tackle very well. I think Sean Dion Hamilton – getting everybody lined up and everybody kind of feeding off his leadership. And he's a guy that's a sure tack where he helped to get those, make sure those linebackers were in the right position. I, uh, I think that the last two years, William, uh, it hasn't been played up enough. The loss of Sean Dion Hamilton. I know he's not CJ Mosley. I know he's not Reuben Foster, but he's such a really a, a cerebral football player. And they just were never able to replace him this year uh, after he went down. Yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> and, um, you know, I thought it was a total fail by the whole uh, you know, Alabama program with what they went down there with, uh, you know, Auburn with. Uh, when when you, we, you know, If you watch the game and you watch the replay, um, there, there was very little passion, in my opinion, um, as to how Alabama played down there. And, you know, sure, sure, it's it's a tough place to play. Um, it's loud, this, that, and the other. But, you know, when you look at it, uh, you know, you know, Drew, I, I think it's, uh, you know, a poor game plan. Um, you know, people are pointing fingers at Brian Dayball. Um, I think those uh, fingers are legit. Um you know, well, why did Damian Harris only touch the ball six times? Um, he, you know, you get into a rhythm as an offense, and, you know, Bo Scarborough comes in. And don't get me wrong, I'm not opposed to Bo Scarborough coming in, but um, just the way the whole thing played out, it was, it was really a complete abortion um, how that game, you know, transferred down there at Auburn last weekend. Um, you know, how, what, what did you see, I guess, is the best question. What did you see that could be different? Well, I just felt like uh, if there was one area that you could point to, it was the failure to execute on third down. Because uh, to me, they ended up three for 11 on third down. They didn't convert one until the fourth quarter. 
and just from talking to someone who would know, who uh, spoke to someone that's uh, close to the coaching staff, they've watched the film. There was receivers running open. They just didn't, you know, uh, Jalen just didn't see them to get rid of the football. And the whole problem with the passing game, not just the Auburn game, uh, LSU, Texas A&M, some last year down the stretch, but I'm not blaming last year on Jalen Hurts. He was an 18-year-old freshman. His offensive coordinator went AWOL on him. Uh, they got two big-time injuries to the defense in Sean Deion Hamilton once again and and, uh, and Eddie Jackson that really affected them. And Bo Scarborough in the national championship game, if everyone's healthy, you know, Jalen Hurst is going to do his job, and he did his job. He put him in the lead with uh, about, you know, two minutes left. But I think Alabama wins that game if they're a healthy football team or even if their offensive coordinator is in position. <laughs> My biggest issue is Jalen has only improved in- incrementally. He has improved some, but – we haven't seen enough improvement, and I think it really caught up to Alabama that after the Tennessee game, they didn't kind of implement Tua Tungvaloa into the game and start trying to have him help spark the passing game, as we've discussed on the show. Am I surprised they didn't do that? No, because they were an undefeated football team, and Jalen Hurts has accomplished so many things. But I think overall, when you go back and look at it, they had plays out there, especially to Jerry Judy, that could be made. Uh, Jalen just does not have a lot of pocket presence. He's more of an athlete with athletic instincts than a quarterback. And, and I think that really caught up to Alabama because if, if Jalen hits two or three of those throws, um, then what, where you are, you're, uh, it moves the chains. It gives you, uh, you know, th- on those third downs, you get uh, six out of 11, seven out of 11, and then you, that's 20 to 25 more snaps, and that is more touches for Damian Harris in these backs or these wide receivers. And then the, the time of possession changes, and Alabama has a chance to score more points. So I just kind of felt like uh, if, if, you, if you want to point that there was, there was mistakes on the offensive line on plays. Uh, there was mistakes by the defense, bad tackling, uh, you know, mistakes in the secondary. From what I understand from the coaching staff, they felt like they, made, they, loved, they thought they made the right calls uh, on every defense, but then they admitted that this was the most mental errors their secondary made all year. And so the secondary played very poorly. So the whole game wasn't on Jalen Hurts. But offensively, I, I felt like coming into this game, we talked about it last week, Alabama needed to score 30 points because this was a banged-up defense. We knew this was not the defense that we thought it was going to be. And so because of that, they needed more out of this offense. They couldn't get it. And Jalen Hurts just didn't execute in the passing game. And, and I think, really, it's like what I said earlier in Tuscaloosa on the radio today on Ryan Fowler's show. I just think what this opens up is this program is at a crossroads. It's what William talked about. There are issues. And I think one thing you've got to do in the spring, um, you've got to open up this quarterback competition from square one and let Tua Tungvaloa compete because he's a special talent. He can get these receivers the football. And I think with him at quarterback and his skill set, this Alabama offense would be unstoppable. I think the offensive line does need to improve. But I do think a quarterback with the pocket presence he's got and the instinct and the quick release, all of a sudden that offensive line, some of those issues may disappear. And it'll, be, and it'll help the running game as well. And it'll get the football to a lot of talented wide receivers. When you look at Alabama's stats, Calvin Ridley was the only wide receiver this year to consistently touch the football. And he's a first-round pick, and he will be after this season. But they need more people to touch the football. There's too much talent here. And then Alabama needs to get him and these wide receivers more uh, involved in him being uh, to a tongue of Iloa. Because I just think if Alabama, if Nick Saban wants to cement his legacy, and his legacy was very important to him, Williams talked about it on this show, and be the greatest coach of all time and win two or three more national championships, 
He's got to make some very hard decisions on the offensive line. Alex Leatherwood, uh, Jedrick Wills, uh, maybe moving Matt Womack inside, and then maybe making a change at quarterback because I think Tua can lead Alabama to the promised land. May he throw more inter- a few more interceptions? Yes, but he'll also make more plays. And I think Alabama is still going to have really good talent defensively, especially in the front seven. They're going to have to rebuild the secondary. But next year, they need to average uh, 35, 40 points a game, especially early, to let this defense get its feet under it. And I think uh, that uh, especially when they play higher-level competition, they've got to be able to throw the football. And what we've seen in Jalen Hurts' second season as a starter down this stretch is Alabama still can't throw the football well enough against the truly elite defenses. And for Jalen Hurts, you will win 10-plus games with him at Alabama. He's talented enough. But the, the, unfortunately, since Alabama is the New York Yankees, they are judged on rings. And, uh, you know, and that's what Alabama needs to get. And I think uh, if Alabama is going to stick with Jalen Hurts, they need to be a full-time zone read offense. But even then, I'm not sure Jalen can throw the ball well enough because you're going to eventually have to against these really good football teams. And the guy that can do that is number 13 uh, from Honolulu, Hawaii. And I think he deserves an opportunity to compete with Jalen Hurts and have a chance to beat him out this spring. Wow, that was some good stuff, Drew. Um, <clears throat> you know, I would say this. Um, I ex- how, how do you expect – you know the, the this thing playing out with between the two quarterbacks. Do you, do you think it's going to play out between now and the next bowl game when Alabama plays, or is this a spring practice fall practice deal? Uh, no, I think it's a spring practice fall practice. Uh, this team is what it is. Um, you know they had a chance to bring Tua in and start expanding his role after Tennessee. They didn't do that. Uh, if Alabama finishes outside the playoff, which I kind of think they, they might, as I said in my opening piece, with Wisconsin winning, with the winner of the SEC championship game, with the Clemson Tigers, uh, with the OU, then Alabama could get him on the field in the Orange Bowl against Miami. But, you know, I think it'll be more of a, a thing where we see him uh, in the spring and in the fall. It would probably completely play itself out in the fall. Uh, but again, Jalen Hurts deserved to be the quarterback on this team to start this year. Look what he did a year ago. Um, and then Tua had no experience. But the more we've seen of Tua, the more special we think he can be, And in my opinion. And I just think, hey, what's the harm in going out in the spring and telling Jalen Hurts, look, brother, you put up a lot of great numbers, but you know being in the same room with him, watching him on the field at 13 special, we're going to let him compete with you and may the best man win. And if that means that uh, if he beats out Tua, you know, you, you understand how good Jalen Hurts really is. But I got a funny feeling that Tua can win that battle. If so, if Jalen decides to move on, you pat him on the back and you, uh, you tell him uh, uh, thank you for all you've done for our program. And we completely understand that you want to, you know, go play quarterback somewhere else. Now, granted, uh, you know, uh, I don't think he'll ever take a snap in the NFL at QB. Could, some people have asked, could he move to running back or another position at Alabama? He could, but I don't really see that. The young man has been a quarterback since he was in uh, middle school uh, throughout his whole life. He's a quarterback. He wants to play the, the position. So I would fully support him going outside the SEC and, and playing somewhere else and, and, and continuing to put up good numbers and be a good player. And he's a really good player at Alabama. 
But the thing is, I think Tua Tungvaluwa can be a great player. I think Tua Tungvaluwa can win a Heisman Trophy. I think Tua Tungvaluwa can be the best passer that Alabama's seen in the modern era. And that's what I'm, I'm going to sit here on BAM's radio and say because it's a platform for me to have. And I think he's that kind of talent. I think his brother can be. And I think Nick Saban, if he handles this right, if you hold on to Tua, if you get Talia, he will be the greatest coach of all time. He will, be, uh, he will rank ahead of Coach Bryant, but they will be 1A and 1B. And you'll see, and it's probably already done, but without a doubt, you'll be going to games in the future, Bryant-Denny Stadium on Nick Saban Field. And that's the way it is, and uh, he will be the greatest of all time. And I know Thomas had some thoughts on this as well. Well, well just to jump in real quick, Drew, uh, I'd do you one better. Uh, let, let, let's call a spade a spade. I, I don't really care about a New Year's Six Bowl that's not in the playoff. Every player is going to get all the swag, and they're going to get the trip, and blah, blah, blah. Okay, let's see what Tua can do in live fire. Let him start, or give him a quarter. See what happens if he if he. Yeah, I wish they would do that. I I just don't anticipate it. I I don't either, but it's just one of those things. Like, it's an a a bowl is an exhibition game. I, I I don't see the point in trotting out the same old same old just for an exhibition game. We've seen. 12 of those so you know turn the page a little bit I would I'd love to see it and I'd sit on here if he barfed all over himself and be like well I guess we ride or die with Jalen Hurts but if he goes out and does what Trevor Knight did to Alabama a few years ago when Oklahoma and Alabama played then you talk about some serious excitement getting jumped back into the fan base which has unfortunately been tearing itself to pieces you know even though I think my most common phrase this the past couple of days has been, you know, as bad as 11-1 and one is, at least we're not Tennessee, Drew. But anyway. Merciful heavens, Tennessee. I mean, if there's, not, if there's a bigger dumpster fire in college athletics, I don't know what is. I mean, Philip Fulmer is now the interim or uh, maybe, I guess, soon to be permanent athletic director. John Kerry fired after eight months. Uh, I know William was talking uh, before we started the show about how he wishes he'd gone into athletic administration uh, for, uh, to get paid $5 million to go away after like eight months. But Tennessee is – that's how you – Alabama has gone through their issues, but Tennessee is the poster child for how not to handle things. Uh, there's no telling who they'll end up with as coach now. And, William, I, I got, I've got to ask you this. Uh, you know Jeremy Pruitt very well. Um, I know uh, that, uh, that, uh, that Jeremy, uh, you know, is a guy that uh, was at Mississippi State – or uh, interviewed at Mississippi State – he didn't get that job, but uh, what are your what are your thoughts uh, uh, on uh, Jeremy Pruitt? Do you, do you do you would you see him even? Uh, okay, we did lose William. We'll get William I'm back. I'm efforting to get him back as we speak. Get him get him back on the line. But I was just going to say, uh, but uh, and I can throw it to you, Thomas. Uh, I hear that he didn't interview very well for the Mississippi State job. But if I were Jeremy Pruitt, I wouldn't go near Tennessee right now. Oh. Uh, I- there is one case where I would look at Tennessee, and it's if I can tell my agent, take whatever they're offering and tack two or three million on top of it. Because I'm sorry, the person you are trying to reach has a voicemail box that has not been set up yet. That that is that is peak William. Okay, well I can fix this. Uh, but no, to to answer your question, I the only way I'm doing it is if I get paid way above premium because, wow, I, I mean. It's 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 really is days of our lives, days of our Knoxville lives up there. 
you know, you have infighting between athletic directors and his subordinates and boosters and da 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 da. And, and how do you how do you build a foundation for the level of program that you're going to need? Because you're going to see Nick Saban every year. You're going to see Kirby Smart in Georgia, even though you know that's that Georgia is an open question. But they're good this year. You got to think that Dan Mullen will get Florida rolling again. That's that's three games where you're talking about you need a power program to really compete. And I don't know how you build that on what amounts to a you know a sand. Island, you know, I just I don't get it. It, the only time I'm looking at it is then. Let me ask you this too, uh, and I, I have my own theory, but I, and I, I I and and we talked about it a little bit earlier, but Gus Malzahn, um, yeah, it, Arkansas is waiting for a reason. Gus is a guy that they're very interested in. He's the number one candidate for their job. Uh, I know I had Trey Biddy on my, my regular show, Talking Ball, earlier today, and he told me the top two candidates for that job are Gus Malzahn and Chad Morris of SMU. Chad Morris has a lot of ties to Texas. Arkansas's recruiting in Texas has really lagged under Brett Bielema. That was one of the big reasons he got fired. Um, you know, they, and, and, and Chad Morris has even told a coaching friend of Trey Biddy's that he thinks Gus Malzahn takes the, the job win or lose because at Auburn he's on a teeter-totter. Get fired, you're the greatest in the world. Get fired, you're the greatest in the world. He has a, an extension on his desk. Now, if, if Auburn goes to the college football playoff, it's going to be very hard for him to go to Arkansas. But if they lose to Georgia Thomas, I got a funny feeling that Gus Malzahn may fly the coop for a more stable environment as Arkansas looks to – uh, be hiring their new athletic director in short order. I think that's a very interesting point. And, you know, ta- adding on to the, just con- further contextualizing your teeter-totter, you know, fire him, oh, he's so great, fire him, he's so great. Auburn has a lot of players, I mean a lot of players on the team this year that are big-time contributors. You know, beyond a guy like Jarrett Stedham or on Johnson, you know, top three offensive linemen, a bunch of linebackers. The secondary is going to be all brand new. I mean, they might get to the pinnacle this year, but they're going to be the, – the team that trots out next year is going to be very, very different. It's going to be different bodies. And, you know, Gus Malzahn, God love him, he has been fairly consistent. Seven and – you know, great season, get to a solid postseason – fall off a cliff for two or three years. Great season. And I don't know if Auburn's going to put up with that. It is crazy to think about a guy who's had such a great November could be moving on. But, again, like I said when I was ranting at the college football playoff, the great November, if you take the season in totality, Auburn was completely discombobulated against Clemson. And then in what might be – pushes one of the worst coaching jobs you will ever see. You know, it's up there with the meltdown. And you want to talk about a meltdown. We've spent the half the show talking about Alabama's meltdown and Jordan-Hare. Auburn melted down just as bad, if not worse, in Death Valley against LSU a few weeks ago. So it's hard to believe, but, uh, man – after after today where you saw Jimbo Fisher leave for Texas A&M for a $75 million fully guaranteed contract, which, holy heck, that's a lot of money. 
and Tennessee continue to light itself on fire and dance about. And then Ole Miss, the Ole Miss sanctions have somehow, they picked the perfect day to release them apparently. After seeing all that over the past 24 hours, I think anything's possible, particularly in the, in the SEC, Drew. I've got to ask you about Ole Miss too, Thomas. I was quite frankly shocked that Hugh Freeze didn't get a show cause of any kind. I thought he would get two or three years. Uh, and then I was uh, also uh, mildly surprised because at first I thought he got a one-year show cause and that they had they had self-imposed 11 scholarships. And at first, the first report I read, I thought they were saying they had added on 13 more for <coughs> 24. That made some sense to me. But then when you find out no show cause and only, uh, you know, three more scholarships because they, they, uh, they, they shrunk it back, uh, or excuse me, they had already self-imposed nine and then they added it four, four more for 13. Uh, which the math's kind of fuzzy, but again, 13 total scholarships to me over a three- or four-year period, I thought uh, comparatively, even though they got another bowl ban, which is not easy, Ole Miss got off uh, pretty easy. I thought they were going to get USC-level sanctions. Well, so they're going to – the two-year bowl ban, they're going to – Ole Miss will forfeit postseason revenue, which will be anywhere from what? Let's call it 7 to $10 million. So let's cut it down the middle, 85 so they'll forfeit $17 million in revenue. That's fairly significant. But the scholarships, you know, whoop-de-doo. I don't even know how they're broken down. You know, if it's all in one year, it's just going to nuke one recruiting class, but Ole Miss will, get, will recover from that over in a couple of years. And to me, Drew, I almost expected this because if you remember, the other big investigation that just wrapped up was the UNC investigation, where the answer after years and years and millions and millions of dollars was we found improprieties, but we can't govern it because it wasn't just an athletic benefit. I, you know, when, when that all came down, I realized even more that the NCAA has no teeth. If I'm a Penn State fan, or particularly if I'm a USC fan, I am throwing things in anger because if you believe half of what the NCAA had on Ole Miss, they had them dead to rights, lock, stock, and barrel. And for some reason, they didn't throw the book at them. I don't understand it, but it doesn't really surprise me because much like the College Football Playoff Committee, the NCAA's record for infractions is nonsensical when viewed in totality because they just kind of – it's almost like whoever's the chair of the committee in infractions gets drunk, spins around a uh, maypole ten times, and then reaches into a grab bag of uh, sanctions and just throws them at people because there's no rhyme or reason to it. It makes no sense. But, you know, honestly, it is kind of par for the course for this group of folks. I've been, I'm, so un, I'm so disillusioned and unimpressed with most of what has gone on over the past week coming out of any governing body around college football, Drew. So true, Thomas, so true. And, uh, you know, uh, it's a, and now uh, uh, we've talked about the college football playoff. Uh, I know you, you think Alabama's got a very long road. I do think uh, if they get one of those two things to happen, TCU uh, winning the football game or Ohio State uh, in a competitive game against Wisconsin, they can get in. But in a lot of ways, I don't think this team can win the national championship. 
because of the deficiencies on offense, despite the fact I know they'll get healthier on defense. Uh, It's kind of funny to ask this question, but do you think that Alabama would be uh, better off and better constituted to just go to the Orange Bowl, maybe get two of some playing time and look to next year uh, or uh, go to the college football playoff and try to win it all? I guess for the seniors, you want to be on the field to try to win a national title. But uh, I just I guess I'm uh, uh, disheartened after the Auburn game. I just don't know if uh, Alabama has enough bullets in their gun uh, to to uh, beat some of these teams uh, like the Auburns and the Clemsons because uh, Clemson's going to be very tough to block up front. That's who Alabama would probably play in a Chapter 3. And then you'd have Auburn, who could be in there, or Georgia, uh, and then facing OU. And, of course, Oklahoma. I'm not, I'm not sold on their defense by, by any stretch, but Baker Mayfield likely going to win the Heisman and uh, can light up a defense. Well, Okay, a lot to break down there. But firstly, Drew, Styles make fights. And in terms of the one team that Alabama does not want to see, should they make the college football playoff, it is Clemson. Because you just watched the Auburn defense have some success really stymieing the Alabama offense. Well, assuming Clemson's defensive line and its linebackers are healthy, take everything Auburn did and crank it up even more. Where Auburn might have a couple of draftable guys this go-around, and they'll have most of the guys on that line will see time in the NFL. In Christian Wilkins and Dexter Lawrence, you have a couple of top ten picks, straight up, like right now. And, you know, you've got linebackers, you've got guys that raised hell last year for the Crimson Tide. I think Clemson would beat Alabama and would beat Alabama pretty good because I don't really like, you know, Kelly Bryant's not done blow you away as a passer, but he's so physical as a runner that I really would be nervous about the interior of Alabama's defense. You would have to hope that a guy like Dylan Moses would continue to evolve as a middle linebacker but you can't feel good about that matchup. Talking about the Alabama, if Alabama were to rematch against Auburn, Drew, I think that the health on defense would be a bigger deal for this one. And, again, like you all talked about before we lost William, and William won't be with us for the rest of the show, so I apologize to our listeners. He'll hopefully be back next week. Talking about Auburn, though, the health of Carrion Johnson is a big deal. No Carrion Johnson, I think Alabama wins going away. With on Johnson, I think it would be an absolute brawl. And we'll see. Because one of the things, and I'm not one to make excuses, Drew. I hate people that do this, but I'm going to be the thing I hate. I swear, the officiating was just awful in the Iron Bowl. I, I, I missed the part where you can throw the ball out of bounds when you're, not outside, when you're inside the tackle box and it's not grounding. I missed that. Uh, because that happened on multiple occasions. I missed Auburn turning wide receivers, and then Kirby Smart even saying, they turned a lot of our guys too. So uh, I think there are a lot of things that in the Iron Bowl that contributed to Alabama's loss that might not be the same. Talking about Oklahoma, and the, the, again, I, we can go through all of these, but anyway, with Oklahoma, I actually like that matchup for the Crimson Tide because – Alabama is extraordinarily potent when their offense gets into a rhythm. And Oklahoma's defense is just bad. Now, 
I'm not wild about Alabama winning a boat race against the Heisman Trophy winner and a very explosive Oklahoma offense. But Alabama's deficiencies, offensive – Alabama's primary deficiencies on offense in terms of not being able to find a rhythm or being stymied or getting off, you know, off schedule and you know, hosing themselves and not being able to convert, I think the deficiencies in Oklahoma's defense would let Alabama do that. And it, I would, we would see. Of the matchups that you've talked about, I think Oklahoma would be the one I'd want to see the most, quite frankly, Drew. But to your original question, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm torn. I think, I think a lot of the fan base is because of the reasons I've talked about for the teams Alabama would be playing. But I have to believe that when Alabama steps out onto the field, they're almost always the most talented team. They do have – this team has warts, don't get me wrong, but they always have a shot. And, you know, when you get between the white lines, crazy things can happen on both sides of the ball, and once you're there, you've got a chance. And I would, I would take the shot for the seniors, but I also realize, going back to a point we made earlier, Drew, that should the Crimson Tide not make the college football playoff? And, you know, I'm not saying it won't happen. I'm saying I would be stunned given how the commentary has happened over the past few days. Should Alabama not miss the college football playoff for the first time? I think you have to take things for what they are and start building for next season. I mean, that's just me. I doubt it'll happen because Nick Saban's already said he doesn't like guys skipping bowls. I would be shocked if Calvin Ridley doesn't, given some of the behavior rumblings that have come out that I've heard about. But, you know, I think Alabama would try and finish out, but I also I would use a bowl game as a springboard and get a look at some guys that would be playing key roles moving forward. But – Sorry for my long-windedness, Drew. I was just kind of trying to answer all of your questions, and I had to unpack everything. Well, I mean, Ridley, uh, and I had a problem with the way he was kind of acting early in the season. I thought he was being a diva, and he is, but he's very talented, I, and, and he was dropping the ball, so he needed to catch the football, and he had a drop in the iron bowl. But I can also see his frustration as the season's gone on. He's gotten uh, nearly 900 yards receiving, but they've missed. they haven't been able to connect vertically since Florida State. He's only got three touchdowns. He had 10 with Jake Coker and over 1,000 yards passing. He should have had over 1,000 yards passing this season if they could get him the football. So I understand his frustration. I hope he doesn't do what you're saying. I think he needs to, uh, you know, play in the bowl game regardless and play out his career. Uh, He's going to be a star on the next level because I think he's that talented. Uh, I think he can be a slot receiver in the NFL or even out wide. He's versatile. He's had a really good career at Alabama. Uh, but, you know, the bottom line is this. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, Alabama has some very talented young receivers. And I was asked this, Thomas, myriad times. You know, where did Henry Ruggs play in the game? Uh, did Devonta Smith play in the game? Uh, you know, uh, and then they saw Judy make his one play. They all played, but they didn't touch the football. And Alabama has to get a quarterback in there that can distribute the ball and get the ball to all these weapons. Uh, in the passing game, and I think, too, uh, I think that needs to change in Alabama's offense is, and, and this is the more going back to Jalen Hurts in the pocket, Jalen had 18 carries in the game or whatnot. Uh, I think he needs to have 8 to 10, and, mo- and I think in the game, if you go back and look, he probably only had uh, 10, 11, 12 called, but he takes off six, seven times, and those go down as runs, and that's not getting a wide receiver the football, or it could be a, a handoff to a running back. And I think 
you know, Jalen Hurts is the central part of this offense, and he makes it go. But I think they've got to do a better job of distributing the football. And I think Brian Dable was hired at Alabama as a pro-style guy with a New England Patriots background. He's had to try to incorporate Jalen Hurts' skill set into this offense. And I think, and I've heard that he wants to play number 13 because I think 13 fits what Alabama wants to do better than number two. Well, Drew, I wanted to ask you about a scenario because I know, like you, I've been talking to a lot of fans and just interacting. And the quarterback run thing is very confusing to me ex post facto. But looking looking at how that game evolved, think about everything how Alabama has been up into the point, you know, call it the second half of the Iron Bowl, where there was that, that meltdown just is stunning. It, uncharacteristic mistakes all over the place. But anyway, up until that point, every time Alabama's back has been against the wall, it's been, we're going to ride Jalen Hurts. You know, think Mississippi State, Clemson last year, Florida State to a certain extent. You know, we can go down the list. Do you think that a lot of those called runs were trying to ride Jalen Hurts like Alabama has done in the past, and it's simply not working out? Or or is that just kind of, you know, it is Monday morning quarterbacking, but is it accurate Monday morning quarterbacking? I think that that is accurate. I think they're learning how to defend him. If you notice, Thomas, especially against the elite competition, they do a good job of keeping him hemmed into the pocket and making him throw and daring him to throw. You don't see the explosive runs you saw a lot last season, and I think it's starting to expose Alabama's uh, offense because you've got to be able to have balance and to back people off, and I think it would also help the running backs. I think that's fair. I just I, I don't want to see very more, many more called quarterback runs because, like you said, Jalen Hurts is going to take off you know, six to eight times a game. Give him a couple if you're that desperate. But if there's one travesty from the Iron Bowl that I don't want to see again, it's number of touches to Alabama's running backs, particularly Damien Harris, who is the most underappreciated running back that I think Alabama's had in a decade. Uh, Guy's absolutely fantastic, and they just won't give him the ball with any any consistency. But, no, I just – I was curious because the offense does have to change. It does have to evolve. And uh, we'll see. I, I think – I didn't realize that there was scuttlebutt that uh, Brian Dayball wanted to play to him or even though logically it makes sense. And it remains to be seen. Uh, I don't mean to keep, you know, being a broken record, but if Alabama makes it to the Orange Bowl, it, it, it's time to start working towards the future and let's see what Tua's got. But – who knows? The, the games are going to be a lot of fun, I can tell you that much. And uh, I'm, I mean, heck, even though Alabama's at home, Drew, I'm looking forward to the conference championship games. I think they're going to be exciting, and I'm just going to you know cheer for whoever has the ball nine times out of ten, going to be honest with you there. Well, and I've already given my picks. I think I like Georgia. I like uh, the Wisconsin Badges, and I like, uh, I like uh, Oklahoma, and, uh, and then I like Clemson, which means it's not going to be good for Bama. Uh, but uh, who do you like? Do you, where is Alabama's best chance in your mind for them to get in the playoff? Who do you who do you think uh, you know might have a chance to knock someone off? I think the obvious one is Ohio State over Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin's defense is really really good, but Ohio State is very weird in that I think they have 
the highest overall ceiling. Like, if they can get all 22 of their guys playing at the max level, they are better than anybody in the country. But in one of the weirdest twists, almost like Alabama in 2010, Drew, their floor, their talent floor, like where their team can play, is lower than almost any team in the top 20. I mean, it's it's absolutely inexcusable that that Ohio State defense got blasted by Iowa. That that never should have happened. Iowa is a good football team. They're a good seven and five football team. But that de- Ohio State's defense, you know, you talk about. I talked about Clemson's defensive line. Ohio State's defensive line is up there. They have nine or ten dudes that are just studs, but they couldn't put it together. So, of all the games, I think Ohio State probably has the best chance to pull off the upset, quote-unquote, even though they're favored, which is kind of hilarious. I really don't see TCU. Uh, I think that the team, TCU is going to be very motivated, and the Baker Mayfield hitting a TCU player in the head during warm-ups thing has made the rounds on the Twitterverse throughout the week. So, you know TCU is going to be motivated. But I, I don't know if TCU has the horses to keep up with that offense. Other than that, you know, looking at the other two, I think Clemson's going to blast Miami. I, 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 I just don't. I'm sorry. There's a reason that Miami, outside of their win against Notre Dame, was just squeaking by everybody. And it's a great story, but the story ends because you talk about the SEC championship, that the Georgia Bulldogs being a home game in Atlanta. It's going to be a home game for Clemson and Charlotte, North Carolina. And then finally in the SEC championship, you know, Drew, I, I have heard that Kerryon Johnson is going to try and play, but he was crying. He was in so much pain in the Iron Bowl. And you can do some things to kind of get your shoulder right for a game, but I don't think he's going to be 100%. And I, I, I think he's the best running back in the SEC. I think Kerryon Johnson's that good. And no carry-on, I don't think Auburn beats Georgia. I, I, it's re- ironically, I think Auburn is 4-1 and one in rematch games against Georgia. I heard that stat as I was listening to the radio while I was working earlier this week. But I think Georgia's going to get them. And that would put Georgia, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and Clemson in to me. And Alabama fans have every right to be upset with that Ohio State would get in over Alabama because the reverse case was absolutely true last year, but with Ohio State getting in over Penn State. But, you know, this, I've already ran it about the system. I'm not going to keep redressing it, but I just I think that's who we're going to see in Alabama, particularly if Alabama gets somebody like UCF in the Cotton Bowl or in the Orange Bowl. Eh, okay, I'll watch it, but I'm not really that excited. So that's where I think the weekend's going to end up, Drew. I got something to, 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 to tell our listeners at the, the end of this broadcast. A very interesting tweet just went along Twitter, along Twitter from Robbie Donahoe. Uh, and uh, it's a picture that he took in the locker room in the, during the Mississippi High School State football playoffs. And uh, Robbie Donahoe um, has just uh, has, has tweeted this out. He's the sports director at WCBI-TV in Columbus, Mississippi. But uh, he was at the, uh, at the state championship game. Uh, very interesting uh, in the Starkville High locker room as they're playing uh, the the kickoff of the state title game tonight. 
and Jalen Hurts is with A.J. Brown. Well, that is that is very interesting. <laughs> well, and and see that, but the the thing about the, uh, the what happened today with the probation is uh, only rising seniors can transfer without penalty because they're in they're not eligible for a bowl <laughs> game. Uh, rising juniors are are technically not eligible because they have another year to come back. But these kids could seek a waiver from the NCAA, so that's not completely dead yet. So A.J. Brown technically could seek a transfer. Right now, if he transferred, he'd have to sit out, but he would be wanting to transfer and be immediately eligible. And there's been some smoke about that with A.J. Brown coming to Alabama, and he would be Calvin Ridley's replacement. That would be something after the year that we've seen him have. Uh, Yeah, I read some stats. I believe A.J. Brown led all sophomores in receiving yards. He was, I believe, fifth in the nation overall with – his statistics and he played injured like didn't play in a couple of games and played injured in a couple more so that would be a big get for Alabama but you know I I, circling back to what we talked about earlier Drew you gotta have a guy to get him the ball (laughs) I mean it's that simple if if Alabama it's it's football 101 if Alabama can't throw the ball down the field with any sort of effectiveness to get the defense from backing off I mean even Alabama, with all their superior talent on the offensive line and the running backs and yada, 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 will struggle running into a seven- and eight-man box. Hell, just get him here and then put two on the field, brother. When oh. he starts catching missiles <laughs> from Hawaii 5-0, he's going to be a first-round pick, and he's going to be happy, bro. I, That's I, what I'm saying. I mean, if they can pull it off. I mean, he still would have to you know, get the waiver and, 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 all, and all things of that ilk. Uh, and, of course, he wouldn't have needed that waiver if they had gotten two more years bowl down, but that didn't happen. So, you know, A.J. Brown, they'll probably talk him into staying, but I know he and Jalen are close, um, you know, or get a two-quarterback system going at Alabama. I just know 13 needs to be on the field. And uh, and if, if, if 13 were to leave this program uh, and transfer, I think it would adversely affect Nick Saban's legacy. I think it would adversely affect this program going forward in recruiting. He's too good. They've got to find a role going forward uh, after this season for Tua Tungvaluwa. Hopefully at the end of this season, but I I doubt that. This team is what it is, and it's been Jalen Hurts' team. Uh, But I just really believe uh, that Tua Tungvaluwa has got to start being a bigger part of this football team because he just is that talented. Uh, And it's going to be interesting to see where this program goes and who the 10th coach is that they add on the field if some staff members do leave. But I do think we've always seen Nick Saban reload. Uh, he, he's always been able to make the tough decisions, and you got to believe he will going forward and that we're going to see some competition at the quarterback spot. But I thought that was an interesting tweet involving A.J. Brown. But we're going to wrap up this edition of uh, the uh, – as we look back at the Iron Bowl and the disappointment and kind of looked ahead to the future, we'll be joining you on, joining you on BAMS Radio this next week. Uh, as Alabama will know their postseason fate, whether they're in the college football playoff or headed to the Orange Bowl to play someone like the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, And we'll also start delving deeper into recruiting uh, as December 20th is looming with that early signing period. But uh, for Thomas Watts, my co-host, and for William Redfish Barger, uh, we always appreciate those two guys for being a part of BAMS Radio. Everybody have a great rest of your evening and a great weekend on Championship Saturday. Hopefully Alabama will get the help from Ohio State Uh, and TCU if they need, but roll tide 
and hopeful for a chance to win that number 17 national title uh, going uh, starting the next week. But uh, we will have, everybody have a great evening, and we'll talk to you then. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.